Welcome everyone back into the hyper time, the hyper time to podcast. And we felt it was a good time to assemble together for what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into that, let me introduce my co-host here, the pod father himself, Alan Muir. Alan, how are you? I'm good. They still have not revealed w- whether or not Mark Wade is going to be taking over any books or if he's going to be the new editor in chief or if he's just going to be writing some stuff and just going to hit the ro- hit that hit the road. So, yeah. Well, hopefully they reveal something cuz well, we just found out that Bendis is leaving in December. Okay, is yeah, right? Bendis, Bendis is leaving in December. Williamson is leaving Flash very soon. Like I'm pretty sure he has like one issue left. And they haven't revealed anybody? No. Like when his run is over, he'll have written the equivalent of 100 issues. It's pretty hefty. Have the solicitations not come out yet? Or has not it been like one of those mystery, like, <laughs> we'll tell you in the future once it comes out? Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I just typed in the flash to Google. Third third one down, Mark Wade. Yeah, I mean, really, I think when people think of flash, it's typically Mark Wade and Jeff Johns at this point. And it should be. What's his face? William Messner Lobes. Yeah, him too. He laid down the groundwork for everything that leaped leaped forward from his his run. But enough of that onto the show. Yeah, because we're going to talk about something completely different in a whole different uh, <laughs> publication. Uh, we're going to be talking some Marvel today, specifically Avengers number four that released back in 1964, which was very hard to find stuff on. Because anytime I t- typed in Avengers number four, it would bring up stuff on the movies, Infinity War and Endgame. Couldn't even type in Stan Lee because of his cameo in those films. <laughs> it's just a pain in the a pain in the rear to find anything about the creation of this book. I, I mean, uh, I don't know if you remember when I did that top ten list uh, comic book games I'd want to see back mm-hmm. like five six years ago. That I do. It, it was yeah, because you posted something like that you'd want a Ultimate Alliance game, which we get, which we got finally. We did get. <laughs> um, thankfully, most of the stuff I chose was either not fully fleshed out yet. Like I put a Suicide Squad uh, game, which hey, I, I called it. <laughs> Lo and behold, here we are. And then like a Green Arrow uh, or Hawkeye game, which technically falls under Avengers. I would I would not want to be you having to do all the research for the, any future Marvel stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's one event we're doing here in the next few weeks that will, I think, scheduled to release in 2021 sometime. That one, you wouldn't think it would be a problem, but it also somehow comes back to movies and the Disney show. I'm like, are you serious? Come on. Oh, that's so frustrating. So yeah, let's go ahead and get into this one since it'll probably be wrapped up pretty quick based on what it's not like we're talking about a 64 page issue this time. And just to give an update on the flash, the December solicitations have a have an unexpected team. Andy Lenning, mm-hmm. Ron Mars, art by Clean Henry, a backup story by Marco Santucci. And it's all part of the endless winter stuff. Mm hmm. But still, it feels it's weird seeing landing and Mars are taking like spearheading the whole thing. But it just it just feels weird. 
like the Just League 58, which is part of the Endless Wonder stuff. Aquaman looks like Hemsworth, which is like the opposite of what they were going for. <laughs> he looks like looks like Hemsworth and uh, Momoa did a fusion dance. <laughs> like with the tattoos and the, the hair and the facial hair. Okay, but enough of that. Back to uh, 1964. Well, we're going to go slightly before then, because it starts in oh, yeah. 1963, <laughs> where Marvel was starting to see a resurgence of superheroes, and their popularity was starting to get much improved as to what it had been in, re- in the past years. Um, so Marvel had the idea to bring Captain America back um, from his Golden Age hiatus, and the way they decided to do this was to gauge the interest based on on the audience's reactions at the time. So what they did is they had Stanley and Jack Kirby kind of have him appear in an issue of Strange Tales, um, number 114. And I say kind of because there is Captain America in it. Um, It also included Human Torch, where they would both meet each other. However... And not not the Human Torch that Cap fought with. Right, which also gets... (laughs) We're, we're talking about Johnny Storm. Yes, Johnny Storm. Yeah, the whole Human Torch, World War Two, not the same and, one. <laughs> no, the android. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, in this issue, um, there are some thieves that they both end up stopping. When they both work together to stop the thieves, Cap basically tells Torch to hit the bricks and decides to take all of the credit for taking down these crooks. And then Cap later breaks the same crooks out of jail who are then nabbed by the Human Torch. They basically write out Cap saying he arranged the whole thing, and it ends up being revealed that Cap was really the acrobat. And then they kind of leave it open-ended, since Torch never is, is questioning whatever happened to Captain America. And so the final, pa- the final panel of that issue is asking the question whether or not readers would like to see more of Captain America. And according to Stan Lee, apparently the answer was yes, and people were very excited to have him back. And so on March 10th of 1964, they got their wish when Avengers 4 was published. But when they did decide to do this, um, they wanted to take a slightly different route. So this is not the first time they tried bringing Cap back. They did try and bring him back 10 years prior and didn't exactly work out in his favor. That series kind of floundered and eventually got canceled. And so Stan and Jack decided to try and change it up a bit. They stripped out everything from the character that came out after 1941 and basically had made the last story that he was in ending in World War II. He never fought communist. His girlfriend, Betsy Ross, never became Golden Girl, stuff like that. And so it was just their way of kind of cleaning the slate. And I think if I remember right, canonically, they were saying it was like a different Captain America that came after World War II. But yeah, that was just some stuff that would kind of become problematic in terms of storytelling (laughs) layered down the road. What's up, everyone? This is Josh Miller, your host with the most. Um, Cutting in here because we had some audio problems that did not record, apparently. Um, So it cut off and restarted in the middle of one of my thoughts. So I wanted to add it in here. Um, What I was trying to say here at this point was that Stan Lee and Jack Kirby both have a history with Captain America, which is why this book was so important to them in, in their careers. And it cut off when I was mentioning that Stan Lee 
his first published book was a Captain America story. Um, so him going back to it was something that he was very happy with doing. Um, so yeah, when it starts up with published, I just didn't want you to be confused. And with that, let's get you back to the podcast. Later. Published as a script uh, back during the Golden Age. And Jack is, you know, a co-creator of Captain America with Joe Simon. So for these two to be bringing him back into the Silver Age, which is what makes Avengers 4 so important, was a very big point in their careers. Bringing back this character that they both have a very high love for. Have you, have you ever seen, have you, you've heard of the, um, the Kirk, Robert Kirkman series, uh, that goes into like, like history of comics, like secret history of comics. I haven't watched it, but I think I've heard some people talk about it. I think you've talked about it too. They had an episode on the beginnings of Marvel and this is sort of like what they go in sort of like this sort of stuff or this sort of direction. Like how, when, uh, Stanley, Stanley Boyd's, uh, no, San Lieber. I get, I get there's so many Jewish <laughs> uh, creators out there or creators from the fort, like from the golden age and silver age. It's hard to keep track, but uh, Stanley, when he, he first joined uh, timely comics, uh, it was Joe Simon and Joe Kirby and Jack, Jack Kirby just working. And Stan's job was to basically be a PA. Yep. Like, uh, I think he asked, jack if he if he needed anything he's he told him to go get him like a food or drink or something <laughs> and it just shows you how much when seeing it through that lens you can see you can think you can think back to yourself okay now i can now i see why he treated him the way he treated him <laughs> like later on like how it sort of reversed on mm-hmm. himself man gotta love comics gotta love comics yeah it was about this time too in 1964 where you know, Stan was at the point where he wanted to quit. And I'm, I'm trying to think of what comics would be like today, assuming they would still be as big as they are had he quit back then. And that'll probably get, we'll probably get into that more if we discuss uh, Fantastic Four and its creation. Well, it's, it's funny that, it's funny that we're getting, we, we chose it for doing Avengers and not Fantastic Four because Avengers, Jack Leibowitz, uh, who was having, uh, he was golfing with Martin Goodman. I hope I'm getting this right. If not, then I'm just Alan, the man who gets everything wrong. They were golfing and he was just talking about how they, at DC, put all their, just, they took all their top characters, put them in a book and it sold like hotcakes. Mm-hmm. And even though it didn't, it it didn't directly go to it didn't like Avengers didn't happen as a result. It's just w- weird that you think you'd be getting Avengers, but instead you get Fantastic Four. Yep, the best, the great. What was the the tagline? The greatest fantasy magazine in the world. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Actually, no. I think what I my what I just said would just would be something else. Something not not family friendly. <laughs> yeah, I think at some point we'll talk about that because that's. A lot of the stuff that come. So I looked up a lot of Stanley interviews for this, and I love listening to Stanley. And I'm surprised like he almost never got asked about bringing Captain America back. So pretty much none of those interviews amount to anything for this research. Um, but so many of them would bring back a Fantastic Four memories and Spider-Man and all that. So at least I know when we get to those episodes, 
at least I know I can go back to interview him and re-listen to him. I mean, I mean, yeah, because like Fantastic Four and Spider-Man, he those were characters that he either co-created or had a majority of cre- of like the influence of creation. Mm-hmm. Like with with Cap, it was like you said, Joe Simon, Jack Kirby, and they it it was basically it felt, it, it's the equivalent of writing fan fiction, or it's it's the it's 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 why there a certain people writer will go. I could write insert um, Monopoly superhero character here, or I could go and write something of my own and have it be creator owned. Mm-hmm. Which over the past 10, 15 years was basically the way it was. So I want to introduce the story the same way that Stanley did. I oh, wish I, I I I love reading <laughs> this. They need to do. They need to bring this stuff like this back. Like the how it just feels like you're just being you're being told the story, mm-hmm. literally. Yeah, like, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of a good equivalent to it. It reminds me of like a circus barker or whatever. How they're like, you know, come see the amazing stretchy man who, you know, how they're just like whole thing is supposed to be and so many of these comics during the silver age do that exact same thing and a lot of it can be attributed to stanley but yeah i, I love the way some of these issues open like uh i, I know bring, I'm, i keep bringing up fantastic four but the the coming of galactus mm-hmm. just the way stan like stan's annotations were like the way they were like who is this chrome uh this mysterious silver man or who is this mysterious silver surfer Ooh, that sounds good that sounds like a good name it's like what i mean it was a different time it was i enjoy it. i think i like the silver age more than some of the uh <laughs> you know the first comics we were reading yeah it just there's a lot more whimsy to this so uh I'll, i was gonna say i could try stanley impression but i'm not gonna butch that it starts out a tale destined to become a magnificent milestone in the Marvel age of comics, bringing you the great superhero, which you, your wonderful avalanche of fan mail demanded. Do you remember the, I think it was, it was something I generated. Uh, it w- I think it was our frothing demand for this game increases. <laughs> but I'm trying, I'm trying to remember which, Oh, it was a Karuga. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's our, our frothing demand for this game increases. Uh, and it was by uh, David Smith, who, based on his, uh, his what he said on uh, the IGN 10 year anniversary podcast, apparently had bad luck. Like every time he when he he would go to a place and got fired, things would get great afterwards. Would be great <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, it's just uh, man. <laughs> I mean, I guess if that's your reputation of making everything worse before it gets better, you know. Yeah, but I can I can definitely see like if this story story was was written in two thousand two, a tale destined to become a magnificent milestone in the Marvel Marvel age of comics, bringing you the great superhero which your your wonderful avalanche of frothing demand wanted. <laughs> I think it's just I like the word frothing. <laughs> yeah. So with Avengers four, it starts off where Avengers three ends. Um, the Avengers have been battling Hulk and Namor. And then so Namor splits after feeling betrayed by the Hulk. And he starts searching for his missing Atlantean people. Uh, he travels up to the Arctic North and runs across some humans 
who are worshiping this block of ice with a human figure inside. And Namor, being the cool, calm-headed person he is, approaches them and claims that he has sworn vengeance upon the entire human race and scares them all off. And during his little outburst, he tosses this idolized frozen man into the sea and the men run off to warn others of Namor going mad. Then we see this block of ice starting to float away. And as it's doing so, it starts melting as it hits the warmer water. And you see this hand being thawed out that has a red sleeve on which I want to bring up here in a second because the Avengers were passing by. I I think they were looking for Namor. I don't remember if they actually say why they were just in a submarine (laughs) in this location. Yeah, Um, it was one of those things where I just like pressed the button on my phone to, uh, or just tap the screen for it to go to the next page. They're just there. Yep. Okay. (laughs) I was thinking they were looking for Namor, but I don't think they actually say. So I think it's one of those just kind of accept it. They were in the area at the time. So yeah, they're floating by and they notice this man also outside. A giant man grabs him and they recognize that's Captain America. And it's here that although he had a red sleeve during the thawing, there is no red sleeve here. You know, he has a glove on, which he didn't, you know, in the previous panel and all this. Uh, Just some weird art (laughs) miscoloring, I'm assuming. But this might be one of my most favorite Jack Kirby illustrations of him lying on the table with like the, I'm assuming it's seaweed. I don't have that in front of me. I don't know. There's something about the way he drew Captain America still unconscious on the table. I don't know. I, I really like that picture. And so at this time, Cap suddenly wakes up screaming about Bucky and the Avengers try to contain him when it finally hits that Bucky is dead and he's unsure of who the people are around him or where he is. Oh, God. I love the that panel where it's just him holding on to a pipe with just one, one oh. hand. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it looks like he's trying to uh, do some acrobatic stuff. Because <laughs> you just see Mjolnir go f- completely away from him. And some like repulsor blasts hitting right near him, which would which should knock the shield out of his hand. Yeah, Cap kind of shows all of them up in, in like this effort to prove that he is Captain America. But yeah, you would think first of all, you wouldn't want to be doing all this on a sub underwater. Yeah, and you would also assume that a lot of what they're going to do would cause a lot more damage than it actually does. <laughs> I mean, just think about just Mjolnir itself, like the kind of <laughs> devastation that thing can cause. And it's just kind of whatever. It's, I don't know. It's <laughs> again, one of those things you just kind of have to suspend your belief about. So yeah, it's also here that Cap, he ends up recalling what happened to him, how he got stuck in that block of ice. Um, Which would be one of the most revered mini stories of all time in comics. Until until uh, 2005. Yeah, it goes quite a while. Yeah, I mean, it's still something like they use. OK, I'm going to be brutally honest here. I haven't seen the first Captain America movie. <laughs> OK, yeah, it's I was going to say, did they keep it <laughs> for that, too? Oh, are you talking about uh, Bucky? Yeah, because I know Bucky does end up coming back in Winter Soldier, but. Oh, no, he he just should have falls off. You, he, they set it up in the like in the worst way possible. So. <laughs> They're on a, on a train, or they're trying to take take control of a, of a hydro-occupied train, and they're on the side, like, shimmying. Uh, Bucky gets shot off, and he, f- instead of falling into, 
or instead of like getting flesh frozen, he falls down the, a very deep or ver- very long abyss. Hmm. <laughs> I'd watched the iFanboy um, special, like the video edition of, of like what happened and everything in the history. And then I see that and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> that seems kind of random. Yeah. And okay, so yeah, let's go ahead and finish this one before I go back to what I, I meant to say. So yeah, instead of falling down just a uh, giant hole, I guess, <laughs> um, Bucky tries to stop an explosive-filled drone from taking off. Um, both of them are able to hop aboard, but notice that the drone is set to explode as a booby trap. And so Cap falls off and yells for Bucky to do it too. The thing explodes and realizes Bucky is gone as he falls into the cold water, even though he does return, you know, as Winter Soldier. Oh, man. I see your... Uh... There's no way he should be able to come back. <laughs> no, he shouldn't. Oh, comics. <laughs> so, yeah, the yeah. one thing I... Uh, and <laughs> oh, sorry, go ahead. And this is, like, two. Th- this is nine years ago. Like, <laughs> there's no way that should be possible. <laughs> Like he's either has he either has super soldier super soldier uh, serum in him, or he just got made like someone made a deal with made a deal with the devil. That's what uh, the next phase of Avengers is: Mephisto coming to, <laughs> to oh, man. claim oh, man. the soul. You just had to say that because the most recent episode of when I heard it. <laughs> yeah, Vince, Mephisto. Vince, Mephisto. Vince Mephisto. Vince Mephisto. <laughs> so yeah the one thing i wanted to touch on before we go back to them arriving in new york was as the avengers are attacking cap to you know prove who he is the one thing that gets cap to stop that stops him dead in his tracks is the wasp and not because the wasp actually does anything but because she's a woman <laughs> and yeah. he, he's thinking uh, wow who would think a girl would be on the team <laughs> it's just weird. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess it's not weird. He did come from, you know, the 1940s where, <laughs> which is, you know, one of the things they try to hammer home in this issue is that, you know, the man out of time, basically. But it was just like this funny <laughs> little thing about a woman. Just the idea of a woman being able to do anything is so foreign to him. Um, yeah, like there's a certain point, there's a certain panel and um, later on in the issue where I think Jack Kirby kind of screwed up. Because Janet, her face is a male face. Like there's no long, there's no long, or like Karen a bun. It's just like a, a like a male face. <laughs> I didn't catch that. I was to go back and look. See, all of them arrive back home in New York to a huge crowd of reporters. I don't understand how the reporters would know they were there, considering that they were so far away from home. <laughs> Literally. Literally, you know. Um, so yeah, the Avengers all go out to greet the reporters as Cap stays in the sub a little longer. Um, one flash goes off and it appears the Avengers are gone and have been re- been replaced by statues. Um, the reporters think it's some sort of ruse to escape them, so they quickly wander off. And then Cap comes out and sees these statues, thinking that it's like an honor. It's to honor the Avengers. And so he kind of walks off to discover this new world. And he is amazed at how lovely all the women are, even in new fashions and hairstyles and the buildings in New York impress him as well. You know, if this was a movie, it would be like that scene where, you know, it's shown from the front and he's just kind of looking all around as the, you know, the angle just circles around him as, you know, the foreigner in the big city type of thing. And it's here that he also runs into a cop who recognizes him 
and helps solidify the idea that people are well aware of who Cap is. Um, even some of the women prior have recognized him as being a mighty hero of years ago. <laughs> so Cap finds a hotel and after watching TV for the first time, falls to sleep. However, he is awoken by a man who walks in bearing an uncanny resemblance to Bucky, which catches him off guard. Uh, but the man introduces himself as Rick Jones and had been following Cap the entire time. Okay, can, now can I bring up the thing I mentioned? Yeah, go ahead. So I either forgot about this or just, yeah, I think I just forgot about it. Because when I first read Secret, the free comic book day tie into Secret Empire, which is the whole, which is one of the originators of the uh, Hail Hydra meme. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Jones, who is who is the whistleblower on the whole uh, Pleasant Hill thing that S.H.I.E.L.D. was doing, basically re- reprogramming uh, villains using the cosmic cube cap or hydra cap has rick rick jones killed by a firing squad yep that's exactly how i that's that was exactly the look of my face too <laughs> yeah i don't remember much of anything of secret empire and i think i only read that last year or two years ago yeah uh, <laughs> i think I mean, a lot of people were somewhat kind of miffed at that series there is like it is a good story when like like more than halfway through but at a certain point it just goes like what is happening Mm -hmm. oh is this the panel you were talking about yeah the bottom panel oh yeah yeah i see what you mean yeah (laughs) oh man okay so yeah rick jones had appeared to cap um he basically wants some help trying to find them because the you know the avengers had disappeared um, and since Cap was the last one to see him, you know, see them, he wanted to see if Cap would assist trying to find him. Um, so both of them started looking into it and looked through some pictures and they noticed a man in a photograph. Why journalists were being captured in these photos instead of the Avengers. I'm not really sure. But again, <laughs> as I feel like a lot of Silver Age stuff is you just kind of got to push through and ignore stuff like that. One man in the photograph has a weird looking camera, but not necessarily a camera it looks more like a gun and both of them run off to locate this man and cap is the one finally able to find him Uh, he busts into the room and the man's henchmen start shooting at cap Uh, he throws his shield and slices all the guns in half Um, the men all try getting up on him but he's able to take them all out and the man in question tries to shoot him with a ray, but misses. And Cap realizes it's not a weapon from Earth and lands a fist to the face. And after the man is taken off his feet, Cap pulls the mask off, showing it's an alien, which scares off the henchmen, not realizing who their boss really was. The alien tells Cap his story about how he crashed to Earth due to engine failure centuries ago. And then he made his presence aware to humans and hopes to repair his ship. But they reacted unkindly due to his image. Uh, One example was that his look was obscured and shadowed and his ray would turn someone into stone. And so this is where the idea of Medusa had come from. And then, of course, the Submariner had found the sunken ship and promised to have it fixed if the alien would dispatch of the Avengers for him. So just before we move forward, this was a time when I uh, (laughs) linked it in where they would do where Marvel would do like mask reveals like Scooby Doo. Mm-hmm. The most, the most like high profile being the Haymonger, <laughs> who, who uh, like they knock him out, take the hood off because he is basically a purple Klansman outfit, and it's Nick Nick Fury's there like with the Fantastic Four. He you, you see him say a top balloon, 
or word balloon saying can't it can't be it just is impossible and reed goes and yet it fits it all ties in and i think it was ben who's but he's supposed to be, he's supposed to have been killed years ago and it's hitler <laughs> nobody would have thought that that would have been a pretty good reveal and the, the haymonger came back later in in the 80s but we're not going to talk about that <laughs> So after finding out what happened to the Avengers, Cap, well, he faintly remembers the name Submariner, um, but he rushes off with the alien to turn the Avengers back to their normal selves. Uh, we also see Namor saying what happened and what happened landside um, and plans to attack the Avengers again. And on his way, he runs into his Imperial Guard, who was still searching for him, and they join him in the assault. So the following day, the Avengers are trying to pull the ship up out of the water when suddenly Namor attacks. The battle takes place, and uh, Namor launches himself at Iron Man. Iron Man repels Submariner, only to be hit by the rubble of a huge thrown boulder. As Namor has Iron Man on his back, Wasp flies in and blinds Namor briefly uh, before an Imperial Guard requires help as Thor is taking on the whole brigade. After a failed attack on Thor, Submariner jumps onto Thor as the... Seeing changes to giant man stuck in a net underwater on the verge of drowning. He quickly shrinks himself to escape, and right before being eaten by a fish, he grows again and joins the fight topside. The tide starts to turn without Cat being involved, though the Avengers are questioning where he disappeared to, and then Namor gets tag-teamed on by Giant Man and Thor. And then the show Cap is kind of watching in the background, um, and he's trying to identify how everyone's fighting, including his you know, soon to be team members and Namor threatens to kill Rick Jones, whom they had captured at some point, all shown off panel. Um, if they get any closer, but cap is able to jump in from behind as an earthquake starts causing Namor and his guard to get away. And at that time we see the spaceship protruding out of the water and taking off into space. And then the issue ends with cap being offered a position on the Avengers, which cap agrees to and Rick Jones uh, listens on but he's thinking about his friend, the Hulk and how upset he will be for knowing that captain America has filled the role he used to have on the Avengers. And that is Avengers four. Yeah. That the entire time we're thinking it's going to be, it's going to be fun. But then that little, that last, that, that end singer with, um, with like, Oh, he, he took, he, he stole Hulk's uh, spot on the team mm -hmm. and then just gets, becomes really depressing. <laughs> yeah. So I was curious. So I kind of peeked ahead into, kind of what happens with all this. Um, so I guess we'll kind of get into the random trivia part of it. And so, you know, as we've said, the Hulk would be replaced by Captain America as a founding member after his disappearance in Avengers 2. Uh, this would carry over into Fantastic Four 26, technically 25. In 25, you know, the thing and Hulk start getting into it. And then the Avengers join in in Fantastic Four 26 um, to stop the Hulk, who's very unhappy about being replaced and was looking for revenge. And do you know how they end up beating the Hulk? Uh, no. <laughs> so so um, they are able to command some ants to climb all over the Hulk, which gets him all kind of all sorts of bothered. And while his mouth is open, uh, Rick Jones has, I guess, some like gamma infused capsule that changes him back into Bruce Banner. 
So he throws the capsule into Hulk's mouth as Hulk starts, you know, trying to get into the river to get all these ants off of him. And so he dives into the water and everyone's just like, oh, oh, well, I guess we won't be able to find the Hulk. And then he pops back up as Bruce Banner. <laughs> and that's the end of that. Oh, God. That is. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it kind of made me laugh. I mean, it's a pretty action packed issue. If anyone cares enough to go see it, let me read it. Two issues of, you know, fighting basically. But yeah, yeah, I got a kick out of that. So yeah, with Avengers 4, um, there this would cause several continuity issues that would arise from the issue and what was considered the last true appearance of Captain America um, in Captain America 78 when Atlas Comics tried to revive the superhero books. Um, this had Cap appear after World War II, but that would be retconned into a character. Another character holding the mantle, as I mentioned previously. Um, another case was Submariner and Captain America both having worked together as part of the Invaders and All Winter Squad during World War II. You know, and it was kind of hinted at in the issue that they both knew each other, but neither of them could quite point out as to how they knew each other. It was chalked up that Namor was having amnesia, and Cap's mind was just affected by being stuck in the ice for so long as to why they couldn't quite put the pieces together. And this is technically... So I don't know if this is like the first real effort of retconning, but it's probably at least one of the first. So, you know, there are other examples that are sort of hand-waved away, but the idea that Buck died is different. Um, This is a case where history is actually rewritten to not include a character that had previously been involved in events from the past. And so, you know, as I mentioned about them trying to basically wipe away Captain America's history to make him work easier into the Silver Age, they basically retconned a lot of what happened with Bucky in particular. There was also some discussion about Cap being involved in Vietnam. Vietnam, I don't know why I said it that way. Vietnam. Um, You know, they were trying to see if maybe working him into the Vietnam would make his books work the same way that they did during World War II. Um, However, according to Stan Lee, the tone that they were going for in the books at that time were more fun and jokey, and it was different than that during the World War II. Um, So they decided it would be in bad taste to tackle something serious like that with laughs. However, as sales started to wane, they decided to tell untold tales of the war. Uh, with Captain America in hopes to re-spark the love for the character. And then the last thing I have on here is that um, this book had been released in March of 1964, um, which was just a few short months after the assassination of JFK. You know, and between that and the Vietnam War, I don't know exactly how far ahead Stanley had been writing this issue, but there was a moment in this book where he made where he meets that cop and the cop says, but you've come back just when the world has need of such a man, just like fate had planned it this way. And, you know, I don't know if it was intentional, but it seems considering the stuff that was going on at the time, it felt like it was very much trying to recognize not only the war, but JFK's assassination as well. So, and that's it. That's all I have for Avengers number four. Oh man, I can't find it. There was a four issue miniseries that Mark Wade and Barry Kitson did called Avengers Four. I'm looking, I'm looking on the uh, site, the alternative place I go to find certain comics, like oh, uh-huh. it, like JLA Avengers. It's just the image I'm looking, like the panel I'm looking for, is basically Cap, or not Cap, Tony, Janet, uh, Hank, and there. I think I think it's just it, like it takes place after this this issue, and it's just them 
basically saying, yeah, so we're going to take a vacation. <laughs> we have some people to uh, aid you. And it's Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and Hawkeye. It's, it was one of those, like, between the panels, like, in between stories. Uh-huh. And it, it's one of those books where it feels like it feels like it was written in the 60s in, like, the best way possible. I highly, I highly recommend, it, like, reading reading the uh, trade. Well, check it out. Okay. Yeah. I can't find the exact panel you're looking for, but I think I got to see what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to download that one later. I'm always down for some Mark Wade stuff. All right. And then with that, I guess we will call it an episode, a quickie, quickie one today. Um, but that is going to change next week. I keep saying week. This is a bi-weekly episode, you know, bi-weekly episodes. <laughs> and we're recording it out of order. So the next one is the one we have graded on. And then after that, which is the one we'll be recording next, will be our first two-parter. So I found it. There it is. Yeah, that's the one I'd seen. Yeah. Yeah, so good. <laughs> so with that, let's call it an episode. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, please, please rate and review um, wherever you listen to this podcast. We do appreciate any love. We love, we love love. Um, but if there's a way that we can improve, please let us know. You, you know, we don't, we don't know what to improve if no one's willing to tell us. And we will be trying our best to make changes that will suit people as long as it's somewhat reasonable. <laughs> um, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. You can find us at HyperTimePod. Um, you can leave any questions or topic suggestions there. Um, if you would rather email us, you can do that as two. Um, you can email us at HyperTime, the number two podcast at gmail.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at J M I L L E nine nine. Alan, would you like to leave your Twitter handle right here? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the Alan Muir. That's Alan with two L's. Muir as an M U I R. So just to give you a general tweet about or a relevant tweet, um, I posted this about 12 hours ago. If Ray could heal Ben using the Force, Anakin could have done the same with fives. Hashtag Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I feel like. See, I've been trying to tweet more from the HyperTime account. Oh, God. I, 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 I had to, to remember to bring this up. What was that DC slavery stuff? DC slavery? Like, if you're the person that was like, if you're supporting DC Comics, you're, you're supporting slavery. Oh, my God. Alan, it was so stupid. So, <laughs> so there's this person, I guess, who is very upset that DC has some... I don't even know if I would consider it advertising. They have put uh, a few characters on the front of Hershey bars and they find that DC supports slavery based on the, I guess. Oh, because of the, the like the labor for getting, like for getting the chocolate. Right. So yeah, apparently DC supports slavery. And if you support DC, you support slavery as well. And yeah, that's basically what, it, <laughs> what all that was. It was stupid. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to sleep after hearing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure um, there's probably a lot that goes into it um, in terms of advertising and who actually gets a say in the matter. But, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's Wonder Woman and Superman and Batman on the front of Hershey packages. Um, not all of them, just specific ones for whatever reason. So if you enjoy DC Comics, 
you support slavery because of it. Also, don't forget to, to follow uh, VGU the VGU Twitter, uh, VGU underscore TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't actually. I, sh- I need to be saying this more. Um, any of our notes that we have for these episodes, I'm going to try and post them on VGU.TV. Um, if I have any images I want to share, I will do it there as well. I will also put those on the Twitter too, um, kind of as a tease for episodes and whatnot. But yeah, check us out on VGU.TV. And Alan, is do you have anything else before we close this episode out? That is all. Okay. And then with that, we will see you further down the hyper time. And I hope you all take care. Goodbye. Goodbye.